when I was in my first year of seminary, I was studying theology and started learning Hebrew and Greek and reading all these really high-level academic books. Um, I was also going to church, and I remember I would sit in the back row, and I would just be like, this sermon sucks. And I'm like, man, he doesn't even, he, the way he's using the Bible, and I would just sit there and just parse everything that was going on, and, and I was like, man, how could these people not know this? And I, I just remember having this really terrible attitude uh, about church for, a, for probably, a, well, for a while. And, um, and I just kept having this, like, observation. It was like, oh, man, this is not the way that I would do it, even though I was, like, 12 years old and had no experience in anything, you know. Uh, but um, I, I remember around that time um, talking to somebody who was involved in our church that I really respected, and, and they were telling me, it's like, yeah, you know what, there's always things you can do differently, but, you know, how is your relationship with Jesus going on right now? I was like, that's none of your business. And, uh, and I just think it's, it's interesting because, you know, when, when church world, in church world, there's so many variables to what we're doing because we have people. And every time people are involved with things, like the things that you plan or that you, you want to have happen don't always get to happen because people throw in monkey wrenches into your plans. And then not to mention how God can change things too, Right. And so I think we have to learn how to be flexible and adapt to what God is doing and what's happening in people's lives. But um, I do remember, though, part of what I think God was doing with me at that time was I was learning and I was so hungry to learn more about the Bible that I wanted to have Sunday mornings be essentially seminary lectures. Like I was like, we should be studying in Greek. It should all be in Greek. And it was, it was not helpful, though. And, and this buddy of mine said this to me, though. He said, do you um, know that John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard, used to have people in his church of you know, 6,000 people, they would complain about that, about not having enough, enough depth in his teaching? And, um, and he dealt with the same thing. And I was like, okay, well, that's what I'm feeling right now. And he said, John Wimber used to say this, though. He'd say, if you want to grow and you want to get mature, you need to go out and do the stuff. And he would say, the meat is in the streets. And I think there's a lot of truth to that because on Sunday mornings, you know, when you think about this room and the diversity that is represented here, we have people in our church community that have been following Jesus for 70 years. And I'm not 70. They're like, they've been following Jesus for a very long time. And then you have other people who have been following Jesus for 30 years and then 20 years and then 10 years and five years and a couple of years. And then there's people in the room every single Sunday that are totally new to Jesus. Like they have no idea where to even start. And so on Sunday mornings, we're trying to do our best to make things accessible. We're trying to have enough teaching where we're wrestling with the truth of scripture. And then we're also always trying to think about how we can live this stuff out, right? Like it's not enough just to have a bunch of information, but we're supposed to put it into practice. Are you with me? Like that's what this is about. And so I just want to say a couple of things about, um, about, maturity is that I think part of your spiritual maturity happens through what we do here. But if you really want to start growing, I would encourage you to get involved in ministry stuff, serving, like working with people, get involved in Bible studies outside of, of Sunday morning, because that's really how a lot of this stuff happens. You know, so we've been in this sermon series for 
couple weeks now called Church Blueprint. And we're talking about this idea of charting a course for the future. You know, because I am, I feel very um, confident that God is present in our church. And I feel very confident that we have a mission. And I think we see fruit every single week of God's work amongst us and in our community. And new people come every single Sunday. And we're, we're just thinking about like, well, okay, as, as thing, things kind of get back to normal and people get unstuck from the last few years and they get more involved, you know, what's it going to look like? And so I want to spend some time um, really thinking about what is the church, this church blueprint, like how are we going to continue to move forward? And so last week, we talked about how the kingdom of God, the theology of the kingdom of God is central to who we are as a church at the Red Bluff Vineyard, but it's also like central for us in the vineyard. You know, there's 3,000 vineyard churches all over the world. And if you asked any vineyard pastor what is unique and distinct about us, we would say, hey, everything that we do is centered on King Jesus and his kingdom. That's our theological center. And so we're going to spend some time um, thinking a little bit uh, this week, next week, and the week after that about this topic of what is the church. What is it? Because Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. So what happened for me is that I realized that I could no longer have like a really bad attitude about the church, which I had for a long time. I actually had to reassess that because I came to the conclusion that the things that Jesus loves, I want to love. And we should love the church because Jesus loves the church. Um, But oftentimes when it comes to thinking about what the church is, there's this common assumption that the church is a building. That's like the number one thing, like, In fact, in our household, our debate oftentimes in my house is when people in my house are like, I'm going to the church. I'm like, you're going to go visit 350 people? And they're like, oh, you're so annoying. You know, and I'm like, yes, I am. (laughs) Yes, I am. But it's really important for us to realize that this building is just a building. Okay? The church is us. The church is, is a community of people, as we'll talk about for a few minutes here. So the number one assumption about the church is that it's a building that's wrong. Another assumption is that the church is a denomination or an exclusive denomination, and that also is wrong. So what is the church? What is the church? I want to look at Ephesians chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, you can flip to it, turn to it, turn on your phone, look at it. But we're going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, and we're going to see exactly what the Apostle Paul does to kind of flesh out having a theology of the church. An ecclesiology is the technical term for what the church is. And so here's what we we read in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul writes these words. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. 
God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles, or non-Jews, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So here in Ephesians, Paul gives us a list of descriptions to kind of help us know who we are. And we're going to spend just a few minutes this morning thinking about our identity. And, and what I want to say is that the reason why this is just going to be one little snapshot is because I am convinced that what we need to do is have a better understanding of who we are. We need to better understand our identity because the more that we understand our identity, we will be able to understand what our function is. So like who we are impacts the way that we should live our lives. And so this morning, I want to just tell you some truths about who you are if you are a follower of Jesus. This is what Paul does here in Ephesians 1. When we're thinking about what is the church, there's a couple of things, a a number of things that he says that should help you know who you are. The first one is this. The church is people. It's us, right? It's human beings. It is human beings. So when we think about the church, we need to do all that we can to remove the American concept that the church is the building. Because I want to remind you, we just heard a testimony from Anna that Anna started coming to the vineyard when we were out in the park. And we were all not sure if we were going to die. <laughs> right? And she came. And what was it that caused her to keep on coming back was people. Right? It was people. And also the fact that there's this huge yard that her kids could just run around in circles in. So the church is people. The second thing is the church I love this, is blessed with every spiritual blessing. Paul says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. Think about the implications of that statement. It means that every single thing in heaven, every spiritual blessing that is able to be given is yours in Christ Jesus. That is powerful, isn't it? That speaks to our identity of who we are. We are we are more than just human beings. We are human beings who have been given a blessing. We also see that the church, the people are united to Christ. We are connected to him. And I wanted to say the significance for us theologically and practically is seen in baptisms. If you've ever been water baptized, What you need to remember is that when you go under the water, you are identifying yourself with the death of Jesus when he goes into the grave. And then when you come up out of the water, it's your way of identifying yourself with the the resurrection of Jesus, right? So baptism matters. Baptism is important. It's a beautiful thing. I'll never forget how 
most of my life, baptism didn't really have a significant impact on me. Like I've, I've shared the story. When I got baptized, I was eight years old. I had made the decision to follow Jesus, decided to get baptized, and we got baptized. And the primary concern that I had was I had just come from hockey practice, and I was wearing my sweatpants, and there was a hole in my butt, and I thought people saw it. Like, do you remember your baptism? Yes, it was traumatic. <laughs> it wasn't until years later when I started reading scripture and seeing the significance of what baptism actually signifies that I started to have an appreciation for that moment. Even though I was eight and I didn't fully comprehend the significance, what happened to me is that I was united with Christ by my baptism. And that's why baptism matters. If you haven't been baptized, I want to just remind you, it's an invitation and a commandment by Jesus. He said, be baptized. And when we have baptisms here at the Vineyard, it is Super Bowl Sunday because we're so excited about people making public declarations of their faith. And so baptisms really matter. In fact, another, another memory I have about baptism is I had met this guy, um, you know, who was a, Hell's Angel biker at one point in time, and he's like six foot six, super, super biker dude. And he walked in off the street one day when I was preaching at this ministry, and I just remember when he sat down, I was like, oh, this is, this is awkward. What's this guy here for, <laughs> you know? And he sat there, and I, I just assumed that he was lost or something was, was um, you know, he was going to do something weird. I don't know. I was super scared. <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't have tattoos at that time, so. But uh, he, he, he sat there and he finally came forward and he started talking to us. And, and, and one of my friends just started sharing the gospel with him. And he's like, I want that. I want, I want salvation. I need to have a relationship with God. He's just this six foot six guy, long hair, tatted up, leather, everything, bawling like a babe. And I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. And so then he, um, he's at that ministry, and he's like, hey, I need to probably get a Bible, right? And I was like, yeah, you should totally get a Bible, start reading it. He's like, yeah, well, hey, man, you know, I'd love to get together sometime. Not really. But if you ever want to, like, I don't know, talk about the Bible, I would totally be able to do that with you, but don't ever ask. That's what I was thinking. And the next day, knocks on my door. Like, first of all, who gave you my address? (laughs) Number one. Number two, He's like, I got this Bible. And it was this King James family Bible that was like, you know, like he like, he like had a dolly. And he was pushing it, you know. <laughs> and, um, and he's like, I got, I got this Bible. I want to learn it. And I was like, oh, cool. And I was thinking like, yeah, we'll just spend like an hour doing a Bible study. So that was like at 10 in the morning. And he didn't leave until like 7 that night. And we, we literally started in Genesis and worked our way all through the Bible. And I just, he just kept asking questions. And at the end of it, he says, well, I, I guess I probably should get baptized, right? And I was like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds like a good idea. So I said, let's do it. And he's like, all right, let's do it on Saturday. Okay, cool. So we planned this baptism. And I, I had all these church friends, all these Bible study churchy people. I was like, hey, Michael's getting baptized. Let's, let's all you know, show up and, and support him. And it's going to be so cool. So we go to this, this outdoor park in this river. And he shows up with like 50 of his biker friend gang member people. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's like, these people changed my life, is what he's telling all his buddies. And it was really funny because we were having like this big barbecue. 
and all the church people are over in this one part of the park, and we're like, you know, like, you know, putting our wallets away and <laughs> being super judgmental. And then all the biker people were on their little area being all judgmental. And when Mike said, these people changed my life, I want you all to get to know each other, it was like the Holy Spirit just shows up, and all of a sudden we're all just eating together. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. And he walked out into the, the river, and, and right in front of all of his biker friends, he says, I've made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm turning from the ways that I used to live, and I, I want to follow Jesus. And I'm like, oh, man, this is cool. This is the first time I've ever baptized somebody. So they walk out there, and everybody's watching, and I'm like, all right, so stand here, get ready. And I, I'm like, all right, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I push him forward. We didn't realize we were on the edge of the river, and we both just totally go in. <laughs> and I'm like, such a loser, you know? Like, I don't even know how to do a baptism. <laughs> but, but this is what's crazy, okay? So we're both like, wow, you know, I'm like, I'm like, this is how you do it. I don't know. And we both come up, and he comes up, and he starts bawling his eyes out. And then everybody, as we're walking back to the shore, everybody, all of his biker dude, gangbanger people, I don't know what they were, they're like, what was that? And I'm like, uh, that's a baptism. <laughs> and they're like, but no, there was like, light shining from heaven on you guys. And these were non-Christian people. They didn't know that that's a thing. And I was like, oh yeah, that happens all the time. You know, <laughs> obviously. No, I, I just was like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, man, that's amazing. And they're like, I, I got to get to know this Jesus. And all these people became followers of Jesus because of this one man's testimony. But what I remember with all of, with, I mean, when I think about that moment with Michael, it was like when he got baptized, he became a part of our family. He became a part of our family. So what happens with baptism is it's a picture of you being united with Christ. And that's what the church is. We are united with Christ. The church is deeply loved by God. So what is the church? What are you as people? You are loved by God. And then also the Bible we see here in Ephesians teaches us that the church is adopted into God's family. I've really struggled with this one because I know that some of us in this room have not had great family experiences. And so when you think about being a part of a family, you're like, can we skip that part? <laughs> or when we talk about God the Father, it's like, well, my father was a terrible father, so why would I want God to be my father? And, and that's kind of what the Bible's wanting us to realize is that the Bible is trying to help us to understand what the family unit is supposed to look like. And God's way of being a father is supposed to model for us what good fathers should do. And so what we see with this, this family is that the father pours out his grace on the church. You have been given grace. You do not deserve it, but you have been given grace. The Father is also rich in kindness toward the church. Like when you think about the primary feeling that God has towards you, I, I hope you, you feel loved, but I also hope and pray that you would feel like God's kindness is on you. You know, the psalmist says that surely his goodness and mercies will follow us all the days of our lives. 
Have you ever thought about that? That everywhere you go, God's goodness and his mercy is following you wherever you go. And amen, that is one of the best things we can have with us, isn't it? We also see that the Father and the Son purchases our freedom. So that freedom that we were pressing into earlier, here's the good news. That's already yours in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Freedom is yours in the name of Jesus. And then I love this. What is the church? The church is given the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand up together. So Ephesians, man, it's so rich. It's so rich. It's so rich. But this last thing um, is really important for us as a community because we are people of God's kingdom and we, we long to to experience God's presence. And the way that God is present for us is by his very own self, the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And what I love is that when Jesus is with his disciples in the gospel of John, he's starting to prepare them. He's, and this is what I love about Jesus. Does, Jesus doesn't like pull any tricks on us. You know? He's like very, very honest. He's like, you're gonna go through persecution. You're gonna suffer. It is not going to be easy to follow me. But here's the good news. Even though this world is full of trials and tribulations, even though you will be treated with um, less than dignified actions, even though people will slander you, even though you'll go through all the trials of just being a human being in a fallen world, even those things all happen, you're not going to be alone. I'm going to be with you. And not only am I going to be with you, I'm going to be in you. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And my very own presence will dwell inside of you. And I don't know if we get that. Like, I, I think about this all the time. I don't know if we really understand the, the reality of what it means that we have been given an inheritance of God's very own spirit. Because here's what that means for me. I don't know all the answers. I don't have all the gifts. I don't have all the abilities that are needed to live in this world, but I have God's presence with me. And so there's gonna be times where we, we come in contact with somebody and, and they need something and you and I don't got it. But we got the spirit. And the spirit can give to us what is needed in those moments, amen? And so let's pray for a moment.
just pray right now for you, Holy Spirit, to come. And we don't pray for you to come right now because we are ignorant of what the Bible teaches. And we promise you'll never leave us or forsake us. We know that the Bible teaches that your spirit dwells in each one of us, that we have been filled and are being filled by your spirit. We ask for you to come right now because we would like to have more of your activity, more of your work right now. Everybody's eyes closed and you know, just postured in a way to receive and engage with God right now. Just have this, this sense of, of this question of, do you want me? I did some stuff this morning. thinking about these these truths that we see in Ephesians, I, I just want to say to you as you with your eyes closed, I, I want to encourage you, and I'm praying right now that the Spirit right now would help you to believe these things about yourself. Not the people around you, about yourself. About yourself and the rest of our community. But Paul says that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. He says that you have been united to Christ. He says you are deeply loved. He says you are part of his family, and that is why he has poured out his grace on you. He has kindness toward you. He wants your freedom, and he has purchased it, and he has given you the presence and power. Father, I pray right now that as we are standing here, that we would not just leave as people who have heard the truth, but we would be here as people who are receiving your truth and respond to that truth with our hearts, our lives saying yes to you. here this morning, and you have never made a first-time decision to follow Jesus. You've never said yes to God. You've never said um, that you want to receive the salvation that God has for you because of what he did on the cross. I would love to give you an opportunity to do that. You don't need to worry about the people around you. Um, the Bible is really great because it clearly says that if we call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. If we believe in our hearts that Jesus was raised from the dead, that's what we call we will be saved. So salvation is really as close to us as we desire. So if you're here this morning and you have not made that decision, 
I'm just going to ask you right now just to put your hand up right now. You don't need to do anything else right now. Just if you're here and you're saying, yeah, I would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today. Is there anybody that would like to do that? Best decision you've ever made in your life. Amen, church? So I want to get you a Bible and then chat. Do you have another one, too? Where's the other one? Stuff. Okay, now, if you're here and you have maybe made decisions before, but you want to you want to reaffirm and recenter yourself on Jesus, I'm just going to ask you right now just to just see. So Don's going to pray for our community and for the ministry. Because it's those things you need to Jesus. Here is um, this time comes to a 